chapter 5, verse 13, and it's the fall of Jericho. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went, went up to him and asked, Are you for us or are you for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does the Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. When the wall of the, then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, Advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the Ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the Ark of the Lord's Covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding, but Joshua had commanded his army, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout, then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling at once. Then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the Ark of the Lord and, the, and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them and the rear guard followed the Ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. On the second day, they marched around the city and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in that same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, the priests sounded the trumpet blast. Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. In verse 20, from the, When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted. At the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed, so everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout the land. So this is what I felt like God said to me last Thursday night. He reminded me that we are in a battle. He showed me that we are like the Israelites marching around Jericho. We're on the seventh day and we've already done six laps. As Lorraine shared last week, we're tired. Not a single brick has moved and the enemy has snuck into our camp and he's saying, did God really say that? Did God really say that all things are possible with him? Did God really say he would heal your sickness? Did God really say that this is the right path, the right job, the right school for you? Did God really say that this person is the right person to spend the rest of your life with? Did God really call me to this ministry, to this vision? 
did God really say there was going to be breakthrough? And I believe the answer is yes, he did. There's a few timely reminders that come out of this passage that I just want to share. I think first and foremost, this battle was actually for the heart of the Israelites. This is the next generation of Israel, really, um, as they're coming into the promised land. They'd seen manna flown in every morning. They, they knew that God would provide, but it was the older generation that had been rescued out of Egypt that had seen God move in really miraculous ways. And this is, I guess, the first time this younger generation in some ways is really seeing the power of the Lord. And I feel like God was saying to them, it, you know, the question was, would they believe what God had said? Would they risk public humiliation if the walls didn't actually come down? The second thing I think is that um, the enemy was already defeated. God had already said that he had handed them the king of Jericho and its armies. So the battle was actually already over. And I think we find ourselves in the same situation today. Our enemy has already been defeated. The battle has already been won. The battle belonged to the Lord. You know, he didn't, he didn't need Israel's weapons. That They were really quite useless in the scheme of things. Um, it was actually just all about him. Not how good they were, not how many people they were. It was just about God himself. They were obedient to his plan. God's plans are often sometimes um, perhaps less than logical. I think if you were going to go and rescue the Israelites out of Egypt, I'm not sure you would have sent one old man with a stick and a a stutter. That kind of isn't the normal battle plan. And this is the same situation here where God actually says, this is what I want you to do. This is my plan. Um, And they were obedient to it to the letter. They never lost sight of it and they followed it through to the end. In the natural, it seemed impossible. Jericho was the most fortified city on earth at the time. To walk around it with a few horns blowing and an army, no weaponry. In the natural, it could never have happened. But God had other ideas. God went with them as they went and as they marched around the cities. It says that the Ark of the Covenant uh, went with them. There was an armed guard, then there were seven priests, and then there was the Ark, and then there was the armed guard. And in the Ark of the Covenant was the mercy seat. And the mercy seat was representative of God's presence. And so God was right there with them as they marched around Jericho. The priests blew their horns the whole way, it says. The horns, um, the ram's horn, the shafar, can be used for a number of things. Um, But it's often used for praise and worship in the tabernacle and in the temple. And it's also used as a victory, a a declaration of victory. And with those two things, the horns were blowing every single time they went around Jericho, praising God and declaring that they already had the victory won. He gave them breakthrough and victory. We know that the walls came down. We've got the army let out a shout and the walls came crashing down. And this one... They became known for the battle. If you go on and read scripture, it says often um, as they were moving through the land and conquering cities that their reputation preceded them. People had heard what had happened at Jericho 
And they knew if they were going up against the Israelites, they were going up against the army that had brought down the walls of Jericho. And I actually have, it's a little bit of a weird one, I think, but I have a conviction in my spirit that we are going to be known in the spirit for this battle that we're currently fighting. More so, actually, I think, for the way that it's going to be won. So as I said before, I feel like God is saying that we're on the edge of breakthrough. We're heading into that seventh lap and there's a new season coming. It's a season like a season that we're going to see God move like he never has before. We're going to start to see the things that many of us have been longing for in our hearts for a long time. We're going to see more people coming into the kingdom. We're going to see more of the gifts in actions, but not just in the church, outside the church as well. We're going to see more of the prophetic. We're going to see more healings. We're going to see more people set free from addictions and come into the freedom that only Jesus can give. That's where we're heading, and it's going to be a lot of fun. But I think it's also true that things are darkest before the dawn and things are hardest before breakthrough. How did Jericho fall? It fell with a shout. They listened to the battle plan and they were obedient to that and they worshipped as they went. But ultimately, it was a shout. And in our case, I believe a shout of praise that sealed the deal. We need to march around Jericho one more time, worshipping. That's not going to be easy for a lot of us. As I said before, there's been a lot going on and a lot of people are really tired. It brings us back to the place of sacrifice that Mark was talking about last week. The hardest time to worship is when things in the natural seem to be going wrong. I really like this passage of scripture. Um, years ago in a really tough season, I, I felt like God just really um, taught me the power of it, I think, the power of lamentation. Though the fig tree does not bud, though there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no fruit. Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. There is so much power in the yet and the though. Yet this is going on. Though that is all happening, I will trust in my Lord. One of the greatest things that I've ever learned in my own walk with God. This is, your, this is the visual for today. One of the greatest things that I've ever learned in my own walk with God has been learning to magnify him. It's going to surprise you to learn that magnify simply means to make bigger. We focus on God as we focus on God and on the things that he has done and who he is. He gets bigger. He takes up more space in our thinking he takes up more space in our hearts and all of the other stuff just starts to shrink back. We start to realise that when compared to him, everything else is really quite small because he is who he says he is. And so that's what I feel like we need to do this morning is just really spend some time magnifying him. We need to praise him and recognise that he is bigger than everything we are facing. We need to blow some horns and declare that the battle is already won.
And so I've asked the worship team this morning if they would actually come back and we just spend some time worshipping God, declaring who he is, declaring who he is in our circumstances, declaring who he is um, in the battles that we're facing in our own lives and for the people around us as well. Because it's, you know, we've talked this morning about Cornerstone and some of the stuff they've been facing as well. So as a church family, as both churches, um, I really feel like we need to do this this morning.